Now you have to be sure to be sure, because once you put it out there, the audience will take it in. They will connect. And once they connect to it, it's theirs. And once it's theirs, that shit is gone forever. This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 244 for the week of April 1st, 2019. I am Pit of Man's Fears, David T. Cole, and I'm here with Suicide by Flop, Sarah D. Bunting. Something cheap and brown, no ice. Air Marshal Tara Ariano. This guy's really into his podcast. And Easter Egg on the Beach, Will Hines. Hey, I recognize that. Welcome to Extra Hot Great. We are pleased to welcome from stage and screen, literally, Will Hines. Hello, Will. Hello, Will. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Thank you. (laughs) We are here to talk about CBS All Access's uh, remake of The Twilight Zone or revival, because I guess not every episode is a remake of uh, an episode of the original series. And um, fortunately for us, the two episodes that have dropped are very relevant um, to our guest's experience. Will is a an actor, a sketch comic. And the first episode of the two is called The Comedian and stars Kumail Mm -hmm. Nanjiani. Uh, as someone who accidentally gets it gets into a devil's bargain to become famous. And so, Will, let's start with the obvious question. Who gave you uh, the, your Faustian offer to become hugely famous and successful in the world of comedy? <laughs> um, yeah, it was uh, it was not Tracy Morgan. It was okay. um, Gary Kroger from the uh, Dick Ebersol cast of <laughs> SNL. <laughs> and uh, small parts on Curb Your Enthusiasm sidled up to me at a bar and was like, would you like to have almost 15 lines total in various sitcoms? <laughs> just, you just got to put yourself out there. And uh, and before he was even finished, I was like, whatever you're selling, I'll give you my soul. <laughs> okay, what so what happens? Strangers. <laughs> what happens is Kumail Nanjiani plays, uh, plays a somewhat failing bad stand-up comic he meets this guy who's played by tracy morgan at this at the comedy club and the advice that he gets is that you have to talk about your real life but then once you do it's gone and i thought this was particularly interesting to talk to you about because you do improv comedy and that literally is how it goes like once you do a show it it kind of is gone gone, forever so how, how did you how did you react to this episode how did it strike you um well i i uh I love the way it looked and I love the actors, but in our post crashing world, mm-hmm. uh, I, um, I sometimes have a little trouble buying into the drama of stand up comedy as like a tragic broken person <laughs> thing. So, yeah. um, you know, I, 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 I saw it as like a promising start, but it didn't, it didn't uh, grab me as much as the, the next episode, which, which really grabbed me. I felt the same way too, and I, I I mentioned that to Sarah, and she seemed surprised. So, Sarah, what 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 struck you about the first of the the two episodes that CBS dropped? Um, well, this is all right. I'm going to beat this guy, but having um, recently taught Twilight Zone in my class, Ooh, teach, just kidding. Yeah, see, <laughs> Egghead loves her showy woes. Miss Sarah Bunting, <laughs> what, is what she is she doing here? here? <laughs> <There we go. laughs> 
Thank you. Um, that's instructor bunting to you. Thank you very much. Um, it's it sort of, I thought it was a little too long, the first one, mm, but I, I also agree. thought that, I, I mean, I don't know if this is a take on a, any old one, but that, you know, we talked a lot in class about sort of the, the length of the various episodes and um, how they, in the original iteration with Rod Serling, like tried to make it an hour and then they were like, nope, that doesn't work and dropped it back down mm. to 25 minutes. And I did feel like maybe this one could have been shorter because it soon it seemed like well we get it and now we just have to see how it ends yeah i think they both could have been half an hour (laughs) frankly but i thought that you know i I call this the um, punchline effect that it's so difficult to thread the needle of like making um the performance of or construction of comedy dramatic and mm-hmm. then actually showing the comedy <laughs> it is a mistake that um, many properties have made studio 60. Yeah. Um, so I thought that it did a good job with that. Well, they did a good job by working the way around it. Like there's actually no comedy in his comedy. I mean, the whole thing right. is that he just has to talk about people and people find it funny with the caveat that then that thing disappears. So they actually, he wasn't really telling any jokes about anything that goes poof. He was just naming names, basically. Uh, that I was also thinking, like, that as it went on, they, you know, broke the rule of threes and, like, all these other things. Like, the, the timing of it was not the best. But I also felt that compared to the second one, which I just feel like I've seen and has entered the, you know, culture on a DNA level um <laughs> that if you're gonna step to shatner and lithgow's versions of this that's a bold move but for that reason like i thought it was a clever twist the second one i thought it was a clever twist on um you know because there are these things in the world now podcasts post 9-11 that weren't when the first two iterations came out but there's just something about it that's like it's impossible not to expect what's next, even if there's a twist on it. So I did like the first one better just because it was a little bit um, less trodden. But, mm. Mm. Uh, you know, I, Sarah, I can I can see that. Like, uh, I hadn't thought of it that way. The first one was a bit more of an original subject matter for like Twilight Zoney kind of stuff. You know, especially because the second one is a direct remake of and one of the most famous episodes ever. But uh, for the second one got me more like I maybe maybe because I do improv and and even dabble in stand up. But I have trouble like weirdly, I have trouble taking it seriously whenever somebody's like, look at the tragic undercurrents <laughs> of this person's life. I'm like, I don't, I don't know anybody like that. <laughs> but um, it's sort of like I have a, I have a friend who's um, a jazz who who studied jazz in um as a <clears throat> in grad school and then sort of was a session musician for a while and he saw the movie Whiplash which is like you know a movie about a dramatic jazz instructor in this grueling jazz school in New York and it's very dramatic and he said he just cracked up and laughed through all of it like he could not <laughs> buy into it he's like this teacher would be fired on day one like uh <laughs> Not you never you're you do not bleed when you drum ever. Uh, 
and he said, I couldn't, but that movie is great. Like anybody who's not a jazz musician, I think, uh, I mean, a lot of people enjoyed whiplash, you know what I mean? That like, but this guy couldn't get into it. And sometimes I feel that whenever I see like live performers. Yeah. That's why I couldn't get into magic. Mike, frankly. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Cause for you, stripping is just a lighthearted. Well, it's more the chiseled body, you know, and the guy. <laughs> really. Yeah. You yeah. know that it's no big deal. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> Just, uh, it's real ca- it's real casual so for me the, the the second one worked for me because the second one i was like okay they're gonna remake this iconic episode and i sort of settled in for it and then right away i was like oh they're doing it differently oh i kind of like this i was pleasantly surprised by the twists and the, and the so i i kind of i i bought into the second one a lot more even though even though they they both looked beautiful and the acting's really mm-hmm. good in both of them and yeah um, I felt like it's a promising show, but it might still be finding its footing. I liked that they cast Crycheck in yeah. that. The I pilot. don't think that was unadvised either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As, as Tara said, was we were watching, that's a whole lot of Vancouver in these episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watching these, and I'm a big fan of the original, at least until it started doing those weird live video camera stuff in the later seasons that looked terrible. Oh, and I really I never couldn't even get saw into. this. Oh yeah, you know when um you know that era of television where they were using video cameras that sort of made all the lights bleed whenever it moved? Like that's yeah. what they were using and it really takes you out of it. Oh. Um oh, but weird. you know, for the classic Twilight Zone episodes, big fan. And after watching this series, which I think was competent, but I kind of feel like the new Twilight Zone kind of has like an order of operations problem. The original Twilight Zone, like the Twilight Zone as a place in the series was like this mysterious place from which unsettling truths about America, about modern life are presented in the new Twilight Zone based on only the first two episodes, because all we got to see, I'm not really getting that as much. I'm getting that the Twilight Zone in CBS's all access show is like a spooky place where spookiness happens but they kind of forgot to work it backwards from a message, a point of view. I'm not really seeing the point of view that drives us to introspection that much. Like, like I feel like a lot of the original Twilight Zone episodes were, you know, morality tales or thoughts on the Cold War that was happening at the time. And I know based on some articles I've read that one of the next two episodes that I, I guess they're doing two episodes a week, or maybe that was just oh, the first week, okay. but whatever, episode three, episode four, we're kind of getting something that lives more in that Twilight Zone space that I think Get Out lived in. Like Get Out is a Twilight Zone template. Yeah, for right? sure. Right, yes. right. And I, I've read that one of the episodes coming up is more like that, where it's very much in that Jordan Peele comfort zone or discomfort zone, as it were. And I, I kind of feel like the episodes we saw were just sort of like a J.J. Abrams mystery box, wet dream kind of thing. Like, <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. this is the Twilight Zone. I can do anything. And at the end of it, do I have a point or is it just that the Twilight Zone is this weird place where funky stuff happens? Like, I, I suppose you could bend any of these episodes to have a point, but I don't think it was like in the foreground like it was in the old episodes, the old series. I think with any show, show like this, um, like Outer Limits, Black Mirror, you have um, sort of two ways that you can go with the concepts that, that like, you know, basically it's sort of a thought experiment, um, general, like broadly speaking. So you can either start with the idea and then see where it takes you and then you get to the end or you can start at yeah. the end Douglas with the Adams idea and, sure. and work backwards from it. And I 
exactly. So I, I think that the first one uh, was the first thing. Um, and the second one, I think they just were like, well, what if we rewrote this, you know, top three most famous all time Twilight Zone segment in this way? And I got the feeling that the first two were how the series was sold to the mm. network. Mm. And I'm uh, like, I'm hoping that they feel free to get a little more weird as they're as they're going forward, because some of this stuff just felt a little. Not dry. Like again, I liked the episodes, but they they just felt a little like, like very very highly polished mm-hmm. to to get the thing sold. And I I wouldn't mind seeing a little more, like get a little weirder, like be a little more experimental with the idea. Like they're fine on the weird. I want them to get more pointed. You know, David, I I, I think they'll do that. And I'm 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 basing this not so much on Get Out, but on uh, Key and Peel. Because, like, Keen Peel was basically, I mean, I'm going to oversimplify a little bit, but, like, they'd have a bucket of sketches that were just straight up very silly characters, no point at all, you know, just right. kind of like a funny voice, funny, you know, these two brilliant performers. But then, of course, they had a lot of uh, sketches that were pointed, that were sort of, like, commenting on something, you know, be it, like, you know, Obama's anger. Or the uh, sketch with all the pirates singing about how to treat women. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, or, or even like they would have personal ones where like they did a sketch where uh, Jordan is the only black member of an acapella group and then a second black guy joins and, oh, yeah. and, Jordan, they, and he gets jealous. So then to get revenge, the initial guy goes and joins the second guy's improv group where he was the only person of color. Um, and they had this weird like revenge of being the POC person in a mostly white <laughs> stuff. And like they've both done acapella and improv stuff, and it was like so specific and great. So I, I was kind of, and, and they brought like a Key and Peel writer with them to this show, and then Jordan also brought another uh, sketch writer that he's done. He he brought like his people from the comedy world, and I'm sort of curious to see if he can be just as precise with with Twilight Zoney premises as he was with sketch. And it doesn't sound crazy that he'll be able to do it, like. Twilight Zone stuff is kind of analogous to sketch comedy sometimes, like, you know, a weird take on something heightened a lot. So I don't know. Uh, You know, I think Sarah might be right. Like maybe these first two sort of were trying to satisfy a lot of nervous suits. Mm -hmm. And and then when they're allowed to, like, kind of find their foot. I mean, if you watch the first two episodes of Broad City, it's nowhere. It's good, but nowhere near as good as it would be even two episodes later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, you know, that could... yeah, he certainly has earned the benefit of the doubt in in uh, my book. Yeah. It's just weird to see how many comedians are in this. Like all the actors are comedians, mm-hmm. the writers are all comedians. Even though Jordan is really good in the Rod Serling role, I still kind of smile when I see him do it. Like <laughs> he seems to be about to burst out laughing, which I enjoy. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of a it's both a strength and a hurdle for these guys. I don't know. So. I, it didn't blow me away, but it had a lot of integrity, and I was like, I don't know. I, it wouldn't surprise me for this to become great. No, I could see it. I mean, you're right. I mean, all series suffer from, you know, having to sell it and also having to find footing after the pilot. And the signposts up ahead, as it were, yeah. seem to yeah. point that <laughs> they are getting into a groove in subsequent episodes. I just wish they had one of those episodes up top because I just didn't yeah. feel like it had the morality tale aspect that original series had with these two episodes. Yeah. You know, in a world with Black Mirror, 
how do you do your own Twilight Zone, but also not be Black Mirror? I feel right. Like. Yeah. You set every episode before 1999. <laughs> no right. Yeah. <laughs> There's just no technology in any episode. Or technology is just great and not a problem. Like, well, that's why I loved when they, every time they showed the MP3 player in the second episode, which I don't know if we actually said, it's a remake of Terror at 20,000 Feet, except sort of with many twists. Um, but they they kept showing this MP3 player that like didn't even look like an old style MP3 player from like the 2000s. Like it looked like a transistor radio. Yeah. And when we see the that. back of it, it's called it's a Whipple. Like, oh, that classic tech brand. We all know the Whipple. <laughs> like it was like it was like um, the scenes in uh, Into the Spider-Verse where like all the brands are like just slightly off. The same, yeah, same yeah. kind of thing. Where, Perhaps. I mean. <laughs> yeah, it, it seemed like this was that was a nod to what Dave was sort of getting at that, like, it feels like a different place. Like, this is not this is not a recognizable world that we know, although he did recognize that podcast. Host. Dan Carlin. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, was, uh, I, I recognized the voice. Yeah, I recognized the voice. And I was like, what the heck? I know I've heard that before. And my mind was going through celebrities until finally yeah. the mm-hmm. credits were like, oh, of course, duh. the host of Hardcore History, Dan Carlin. I, I love that they had him be the podcast voice like that's. It's such a knowing, it's like someone who's listened to a lot of podcasts, cast that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, So this is on CBS All Access, as we said. Um, I was asked today whether the show was good enough to justify subscribing to the service that I think probably a lot of people do not subscribe to. You can sample it. They put up the first episode, The Comedian, on YouTube for free, and we'll link that in the show notes, too, but... What what do we think? Is this worth is this worth uh, getting CBS All Access for? How, how much is this CBS? Ten bucks. Well, if you get if you get it ad free, it's nine ninety nine a month. I think with ads, it's five ninety nine. Believe yeah, four ninety nine, five ninety nine, something I mean, like that. I'll keep watching it because I already have All Access to watch the Good Fight. But if mm-hmm. I didn't already have it, I probably wouldn't pay for it. Yeah, it's the same problem we were talking about last week with Apple TV Plus. It's just like you need right. volume in the face of a competitor like Netflix, where they have hundreds of shows that are potentially in your wheelhouse. Yeah. It is a good value proposition, Netflix. When you compare that for pretty much the same price for CBS All Access or even like Amazon Prime and this Apple TV thing, it's really hard to justify. Like, it's okay, but I wouldn't say it is such a good series that you want to start subscribing. It's it's not that kind of series. Like, uh, Twin Peaks was on Showtime when you know when the recent season of Twin Peaks was on Showtime, yeah, I subscribed to Showtime to watch it. Like I was such a big fan of the original series that I was like, "You got me! I want to see these episodes when they come out," which I then did not like. But <laughs> I was like, "But it, it got me to subscribe." You know what I mean? I was curious enough to not want to wait. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I don't think this is that kind of show. Like it would, it, it would have to be. Or it was, <laughs> this is another. It was like when Howard Stern first went to pay radio. Yeah, yeah, right. like. He had fans passionate enough that they would follow him to a pay service. I, as great as Jordan Peele is, Jordan Peele doing sci-fi or whatever you call Twilight Zone is not enough. I mean, if it was Jordan Peele doing comedy, maybe. Uh, but this, but this is a good, you know, member of the stable because I, with this and the Star Trek show, yeah, uh, I, I'm, I think I might be on board with CBS All Access in total. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, I'm, I. This isn't the kind of show I think that makes anybody have to sign up. I don't think. Yeah. I got one last thought that I can't let uh, go unsaid, and this is okay. totally pedantic. But so in the second episode, when Adam Scott's character is still in the airport, there is a mural about 
the rocket to Mars or something like that. There's some, yeah. sort of, which apparently is a future episode, by the way. Right. That okay. whole thing. But the font they use for all the small print. This is already the most you comment I could imagine. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about the, the sub typeface. Yes. Of a Easter yes. egg background shot yes. in episode Kerning two. Truther, David yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, that's going on a business card. Okay, Kerning so Truther. the mural sort of a fifties, you know, forbidden planet esque kind of take on it. You know, with the fancy yeah, yeah. scroll font, but all the like information is in a font called Hobo. And if you don't know what that is, which we don't, it's the Dukes of Hazard credit font. Oh, uh, it's the font of rural general stores from 1971 to 1977 and for some reason this is on a mural about space travel that is potentially actually happening in this universe and it really bothered me a lot that somebody didn't take the time to actually choose a period appropriate font for that i have a friend like you dave who always notices in in like period pieces like typefaces Mm -hmm. like he would complain about typefaces in mad men that they was like that typeface didn't exist so did so did dave but i I do think it's sort of like you know (laughs) nobody cares i mean and also just sort of like does it does it seem like it should be there it's sort of it's sort of like when you do period pieces and it's like oh well this is this 60s movie has a beatles-esque band but it's Kennedy's still alive, so you wouldn't have the Beatles as band, but it's like, eh, no, no, it's no. all in a mishmash in our heads. Let so me paint right. Let me paint a different picture, and this is only slightly right. askew from what they're doing here. It's Downton <laughs> okay. Abbey, except the sign that says Downton Abbey is like in a lava lamp font from the 60s. That's how far away <laughs> in time periods, you know, and usage these fonts are. <laughs> I don't know. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it is time for Around the Dial. Everybody's talking about things they're watching lately on television. First stop, Tara. Hi, I'm here to talk about uh, HBO's best one-two punch comedy lineup, Barry and Veep, which are back. Uh, We have seen the first three episodes, although as of this recording, only one has aired, so I will try to be careful about spoiling stuff in future episodes. Veep is in its final season, season seven. Um, The... It's time again for the presidential race. So we're in the primary at this point <laughs> somehow. I mean, mirroring the actual current primary season where people who have no business running are running. <laughs> Jonah is running, uh, which is very <laughs> funny because since we saw him last, he has acquired a wife who is like was once his stepsister and has somehow not figured out that's going to be a problem for his campaign. Anyway. Uh, Selena is still a terrible monster and, um, is maybe worse than ever before. And it's still, you know, there's not much really you can say about it. It's still very good. Still good. And Sarah, just for you, um, cause I know you don't normally watch the show, but William Fickner appears in a, one of the, the early episodes as a like Peter Thiel slash David Geffen type of <laughs> except closeted <laughs> no. gay financier. Aww. It's a different kind of product. Uh, yeah, you got me. What I'm more interested in talking about is Barry. I just read the big New Yorker profile of Bill Hader last weekend, uh, where past guest of the show, Jim Ponowozik, is quoted as saying that the finale of the season, the first season of Barry is so good, he never wanted to watch it again. <laughs> I understand <laughs> what he means. Like, yeah. it's such a good show. But at the same time, if it had ended on that finale, it would have been 
amazing. That's not to say yeah. season two from what we've seen of it so far is not really good also. But Jesus Christ, that first season was good. We just rewatched all of season one in preparation for the the season two premiere. And man, it's good. But uh, yeah, the way it, it's similar to Breaking Bad, the show and the, the ways that they they have to write themselves because of the crime slash hitman aspects of it. They have to write themselves harder stories and then figure out how to get out of them, which is like interesting to watch from a plot perspective. But on top of that, like Bill Hader's performance, like there's not enough great things to say about it. Like to say it's amazing is feels like not sufficient. He's so good in this role. Um, and the stuff that they have him doing in season two is especially good. He's now trying to, while, while avoiding uh, the police investigation into the last murder we saw him commit in season one he's he's also just trying to get out of the life and commit to being an actor although that has its pains also which include working at lululemon which is really (laughs) funny funny place for him to work um and uh and then in in future episodes he's also still entangled with noho hank one of my favorite characters on tv right now yeah is that the the uh, hitman is bald and um yes he's so funny he's so funny i mean like i like i saw the first season i liked the i liked it anyway but that character i was like i think he's adding like 30 percent of my joy of this whole series for sure waiting for scenes with him he's so great it's like a, it's like a lance in the other two yes it's sort of like not really a central <laughs> character but so funny every time he opens his mouth that i yep. just i'm amazed that's a great analogy god i love lance too but um yeah, Noho Hank has has some problems to dig out of himself and he wants Barry to do it and he tries to threaten him and, you know, stuff happens. So Barry tries to basically like strike a bargain with Noho Hank about how to get out of his hitman responsibilities while still like, you know, getting jobs done and maintaining like his keeping his hands as clean as they can be that, it, you know, gets into interesting questions about like how complicit are you? in acts that you don't commit yourself, but that you also don't stop. I mean, it's it's like it's so much more than you expect a show about a hitman trying to be an actor to be. But there's there they've just thought through every single thing. And and I mean, speaking of sharply written, like there's there's not a wasted second of Barry ever. So I feel like I've oversold it. Barry is really good. (laughs) You should watch it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And and we also we find out more about. um, Sally's backstory too that we didn't know before and that seems to be getting into some interesting areas too for the longest time I couldn't tell where my hatred of that character ended and the portrayal started that character I just like gets under my skin so much <laughs> this is something that that keeps getting reported because because so, apparently at, the, at a screening for the show in season one an agent said the same thing that he thought Sally was very annoying and a writer for the show Emily Heller had to be like uh Barry fucking kills people like it's true <laughs> like she is an inch you know Sally is an irritating self-involved actress but Barry is literally a murderer. Like, you know, this is what TV does. I wasn't making a relative judgment. I was just. I know that. (laughs) I'm just saying. I was just saying that 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 characterization is so pitch perfect for where they want the character to be. That is like kind of like a sandpaper character. It's it's you have to remind yourself that that is the character they wanted, you know, and the actor is just doing a bang up job of it. Yeah, she's great. Sarah Goldberg. Canada's own Sarah Goldberg. Anyway, Veep and Barry, Sunday nights uh, after Game of Thrones soon. 
currently after the case against Adnan Syed, I guess. I'm not sure what's before it now. Anyway, we mentioned this last week, but I'll mention it again for my plug. Again with this has started its uh, coverage of Melrose Place. And the episode that Ooh. just went up this week is of the Melrose Place pilot. So many terrible uh, 90s fashions. You could not even conceive of how terrible they were. Uh <laughs> It's super fun to talk about, and I'm definitely less familiar with it personally than I was with 90210. So we are uh, having fun alternating those and 90210s as we wind down the rest of 90210 season 10. Good God. Um, <laughs> so check that out uh, again with this podcast um, and awt90210.com on Twitter. That that was it was again with this podcast.com and at yes. awt90210 on Twitter. Thank there, you, Dave. You're welcome. <laughs> Will, what do you got? All right. So the show I've been watching is uh, the Netflix anthology series Love and Death and Robots, because I guess all, I only watch anthology series now. <laughs> um, and I hadn't heard about this show. It just sort of showed up on my Netflix recommendation. I don't know if it's one of those shows that is showing up on everybody's thing the way like Bird Box did, or if it's just <laughs> that they they know that I watch a lot of sci-fi nerd stuff or whatever. But I hadn't heard of it. It showed up. I watched it. and um, I'm uh, really digging it. It's not perfect, but I but I I I love it. I think because of its flaws. Uh it's basically like um short, like less than 15 minute all animated uh kind of like pulp fiction sci-fi stuff, lots of violence, lots of sex. Hmm. It's it's sort of like the uh, late 70s magazine Heavy Metal which was like yeah. <laughs> sexy robots for like nerd boys or whatever, or like right. <laughs> uh, sexy aliens, but, but tended to be drawn by actually sort of amazing illustrators. So you'd have this really kind of juvenile content. This is the old heavy metal magazine, but sort of like impressive art um, that became like its own genre of style. Like I think like every iron maiden cover looked yeah. like a heavy sure. metal magazine cover and stuff. It was kind of like a, magazine of vans from painted vans from the 70s yeah you know, exactly like, yeah. <laughs> women women in leather bikinis riding polar bears into battle etc yeah but with like eight but with eight arms and like uh you know a bulldog that um has is made of diamond or something <laughs> Th this show is similarly like garish but also hmm how they do that uh and to that van um it's not quite as juvenile or um or like uh problematically bikini ridden as old heavy metal <laughs> but um but i mean although it does have some episodes that are like that uh it's more it's more violent and like uh kind of gallows humor okay uh, it it's it's better than what i'm saying but it is not <laughs> is it like a cathartic show it it seems like indulgently fun it seems like somebody's like you know what I like those old juvenile stories. David Fincher is one of the creators of the show. It's like, let's make mm. every episode look amazing. And they all do look amazing. Wildly different animated styles, all really good. And let's not worry. Let's have the story be go farther than you think in 12 minutes. Like it, they heighten incredibly fast and then it's over. Uh, and I think the short length is a part of the reason I like it. If these were half hour episodes, I, I don't think I would dig it, but it's like, Premise gets established, couple things happen, huge climax, you're out. And I'm like, woo, I'll watch the next one. <laughs> and um, there's 18 episodes. I'm through like nine of them. Um, it's real, it's 
the the first episode is going to be really self-selecting. Like if you're meant to watch this series, you'll like the first episode. And if you're like, uh, no, thanks. It's probably done its job of saving you the time of watching. <laughs> like it's a, it's I a really, it. it's a really violent sci-fi gladiator episode what? is the first one. Isn't that type of episode a service to us all? How many times yes. have we said you got to stick with show X for like three episodes, four episodes, mm-hmm. the second half of the season. And you're just like, I don't have time for that. Just no one has it, time for just that. Just tell me what this yeah. show is about from the get go. Totally. Yeah, I think th- this does this does a good job. The first episode, it's like, hey, are you in on this? Uh, you, you, you know, and um, and I, I, I think it's good. And it, uh, so like a violent adult swim show. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, or like liquid television. Yeah. It sounds sort of Aeon Fluxy. Yes, exactly. It's a, it's Aeon Flux, maybe funnier than Aeon Flux. Like it's got a little bit more of a self aware <laughs> sense of humor. <laughs> uh, yes, there was like zero humor in that show. Yeah. So you know that uh, giggle fest Aeon Flux. Yeah, right. I think you're right, Sarah. I think this is like people who saw that as kids and are like fondly remember it and are sort of trying to recapture the kind of slightly forbidden but weirdly exotic look of that. I think that's probably exactly. Nice. And uh, Will, you are uh, involved in many, many podcasts from to and throw across the universe and internet. Why don't uh, you plug a couple? I would like to plug the one I'd like to plug is called uh, Screw It. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man, which is my brother and I just talk about old Spider-Man comics. So we're we're changing it soon to just be screw it. We're just going to talk about comics because we're just going to broaden it. And uh, I know the world doesn't need two middle-aged dudes talking about their comic book collection, but uh, we did it anyway. And uh, my brother and I uh, uh, grew, grew up reading them together as kids. And then we were – because of like family drama, we were sort of like separated for a while. And then as adults, got back together and found ourselves most happy to talk about our comics again. The, the com- comics have a very fond place in our relationship as like a thing we go back to to like – strengthen our friendship and so uh, the the podcast is kind of me and him talking about our comics and us reading them and i'm i'm a fan of my own podcast and i would love it if people checked it out also if you want to listen to will hines he was recently on comedy bang bang as a, a yeah randy useless is that correct <laughs> yeah randy yeah. useless session musician that's yeah, right it was really funny uh you're oh, always good you. on comedy bang bang but uh, i uh, really enjoyed Oh, it was like a couple listening. weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you listened to it. I I don't know if you guys have ever listened to Comedy Bang Bang, but uh, I never did before I was on my first one, <laughs> and I didn't realize how insane it was. And I oh, now, yeah. I go I go in now with like an occupation and no other backstory, <laughs> and then I just say yes to any question anybody asks me, and just by the end of it, it's so crazy. So it's just <laughs> if you listen, I don't know. You listen to an episode of Comedy Bang Bang with me on it. I don't have any idea what's going to happen. And just anytime anybody asks me anything, I go, yes, that's right. And then I just yep. talk yep. about that. <laughs> it's really good. Definitely I check it out. It. We'll put that in the show notes, too. Thanks. Sarah D. Bunting. Um, I am here to talk about ER. Uh, I know everyone else did their marathon rewatch when it dropped like a year ago. Was it a year ago? Was it two years ago? On Hulu? Yeah, that sounds right. I have right. no sense of time anymore. I am just now watching shows that started like in the 50s. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm just getting to it now because I had to teach Love's Labor Lost in class last month. An experience that um, scarred me all over again and uh-huh. <laughs> like... Two dozen 24, 20 year olds were like, oh my God, do we have to watch it again in class? I was like, no, we can just talk about it and hold hands. Um, 
so then I just sort of like it was on when I queued up Hulu the next time. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just keep going. Uh, I am now partway through season two. It's really interesting to watch these episodes right in a row, uh, knowing which subplots you can safely zone out for because they either go nowhere or um, you don't care uh, or they go nowhere and you don't care. And it's also really interesting to see how they were trying to position certain characters and how that doesn't really hold up all that well anymore. Like uh, Doug Ross is a character that we are supposed to side with, but he's more of a petulant dick than I think the writers intended or Mm -hmm. than he was received at the time, possibly because uh, a guy who was not so much in control of his acting craft back in the mid nineties was Mr. George Clooney. <laughs> I know it's received wisdom now that he was the Cary Grant of the 21st century, but back in the 20th, he was coasting on looks big time. Uh, <laughs> it's not that he didn't work it out, but um, I clock Luke Perry all the time for may rest for thinking that tilting his head is the same as acting. Um, but understand that both he and the clone paid their rent with that shit for years and, you know, good, good for them. Uh, anyway, I'm mid sick second season right now when Mark is about to have the midlife crisis that basically lasted until he got a brain tumor. Spoiler. Um, and Ron Eldered <laughs> is on it and his peak Foxy sideburns, Ron Eldered. And it's such a hey, it's that guy fest. Uh-huh. It's so fun. In a recent episode, I think we had. Um, 24 bad president Gregory Itzen, um, oh. Arthur Miller's sister Joan Copeland, and oh god, who was the other one that I was like, oh, it's you, oh, uh, Joanna Gleason, and oh, that geez. was, I mean, like one episode, it was amazing. Uh, if you want to join me on it, this Hey, it's that guy journey, it is on Hulu, and I look forward to your comments on Twitter. Speaking of comments on Twitter, my plug is for my music podcast, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, in which Mark Blankenship and I talk about songs. Um, we have recently completed the March Mastass bracket of Woo. 80s British pop bands. Duran Duran Ooh. has triumphed, as nice. I yep. think God always intended. What, what were the other, what were the final four? Uh, the final four was Duran Duran, Tears Eurythmics, U2, yes, we know. Technically not British. And no, uh, what's the fourth one? Oh, Tears, Tears for, fears. for Fears, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. Great picks. So, yeah, <laughs> it was um, it was really a battle royale. And uh, so if you want to check out all the um, bloodletting on our Facebook page, which is where all the voting took place, that's uh, facebook.com slash podcast. I will link it in the show notes. And uh, Patreon supporters are currently voting on which of the winners singles we will be contemplating. Um, in our wrap up episode. So I voted and it looked like you? my vote was was uh, leading the pack yesterday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who is? Mm-hmm. Is it still skin trade out in front or has that? Changed? No, I, I well, I don't know. Yesterday I voted for Rio and that was in first place at oh, the time. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll see. OK, so I want to talk about a show that we watched half of on the weekend called Deadwind. So this is another Nordic noir and maybe the Finnish are not as crazy as their Swedish cousins, but Deadwind is not <laughs> as cuckoo bananas than outings like the bridge. And if you haven't watched Nordic noir before, they usually have like a, 
uh, Luther-esque regard for realistic situations, which is to say <laughs> they don't. Uh, the bridge starts with like a murder where somebody's body is exactly split literally split between the uh border of two countries on a bridge um Mm -hmm. but this show called dead wind here on netflix follows uh, a detective and in all these shows it's always a female detective usually in her mid-30s or so and this one follows the recipe uh she's investigating the murder of a woman who's connected to a Helsinki construction company that's like at the tail end of, um, I don't know what you call it, like an influence campaign to gain permission to build a new city of the future bottle in town. And uh, she's going back to work just after her husband died. So, you know, there's the human angle. She's got a lot of hair and a lot of sweaters. A lot of hair, a lot of sweaters. <laughs> she's like a brass tack sort of investigator. She really is like as written for the, as far as her police work goes, She's like a 50-year-old and a 30-year-old body. Like yep. she, she really can't stand for the bureaucracy. She doesn't want that new rookie on her back, et cetera, no. et cetera. It kind of feels like almost, um, if you're a fan of the genre, like a first draft of the bridge before they layered more and more like idiosyncratic elements on top of it. It feels like a more earthbound version of the bridge or for Bedelson or something like that. Um, it's steady so far. It's not like a water cooler show in the same way than these other ones, just because it's not bonkers like the other ones, like stupid, crazy stuff. It doesn't happen every week. It's more of a crime story. It is, but I will say that like um, for Bredelson and the bridge, it does, it does uh, have a lot of red herrings. Like we've mm-hmm. got, we didn't look before we started the season, how many episodes it was. And when we got to episode five, I was like, well, this feels like the next one's the finale. And it's like, nope, there's 12 episodes, like not even close. But the difference I think between this show and the other shows and their red herrings, and you're totally right. That is like a staple of the genre, but usually in those other shows, like the killing, the red herring is almost signals a reset of yeah. the story. Whereas this one, it's a, like a it's a minor setback or it's a side a side case or something like that. Mm-hmm. They're always building on the main story in a, in a substantial way. I feel like so far, anyway. So yeah, you mm-hmm. don't feel robbed after the red herrings. Like I think people did in other shows, like The Killing. Well, especially the American version. I mentioned this on our Patreon show, and I just wanted to mention it now since we're talking about uh, Nordic Noir. The show Get Cracking, which is not Nordic Noir, but we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. There is a conceit inside the show that one of them is basically getting a job on a show like The Bridge. And I just thought the description was so perfect that I wanted to play the clip. So this is <laughs> from Get Cracking. They are in the middle of a meditation episode with Karen, and there's talking about this show. Hang on, sorry, what t- sorry, sorry, Karen, what, what TV show? Hmm? Oh, it's just that, you know, that Danish serial killer drama, The um, the Tower, where a different body part of a politician's found on every floor of a tower? Yeah. Yeah, so they're remaking <laughs> that for the US. Right. And um, what would you be doing on it? Graphics. Oh, no, nah, sorry, Karen. No, nah, just, um, I'm being shortlisted for the um, lead detective lady. She's a genius who jogs a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That is so true. Anyways, uh, Deadwin, it's it's like a uh, slow burner recommendation for me. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Oh, 
This extra credit topic is called Again With Again With This from Dave the Poker Pro. It is a nod to our sister podcast, which I just mentioned, Again With This. And Dave the Poker Pro asks, what other TV show needs an Again With This style episode by episode deep dive? Pick a, me- pick a comedian host to dissect and a member of the cast or crew to tell tales from behind the scenes. What burning question does the podcast answer during its run? When I thought about this, I remembered uh, when we first got the Golden Age Simpsons DVDs and watched every episode that we had seen one million times, but this time with the commentary on, which this is basically what that would be. And I thought, what other show would I want that experience with? 30 Rock, another show that I've watched all the way through many times. And for my hosts, I'm going to go with Steve. I think it's pronounced Healy. Uh, the cheese guy, Dave, cheese drop, please. That's not that much cheese. <laughs> that was him in a minor role on the show, but he was also a writer on it and is now writing on Veep, actually. And um, Scott Adsit is my cast member uh, because I feel like he uh, probably doesn't care about pissing people off and would like tell the truth about shit that happened. And what I most want to know from from him and everyone else who they could possibly get on it was... Uh, at what point did Alec Baldwin start becoming a monster? Was he a monster <laughs> during, during that production? Because <laughs> I'm just so curious about his trajectory. He was just in the news last week uh, telling Howard Stern that uh, what the lesson that he took from court ordered anger management was that he was not actually that angry, which no, but <laughs> sure. But yeah, 30 Rock is a show that I love and yet is has a lot of in retrospect, even like from you know, 10 years ago or so problematic elements that I would love to see two thoughtful people or hear two thoughtful people talk about. So that is my pick. Will. Okay. Mine is bad. I want, um, <laughs> there's an old TV show called uh, it's your move. <laughs> uh-huh. And it stars uh, Jason Bateman post silver spoons, which he was right. like as a kid star with, you know, Rick, Rick Schroeder, but he's still a kid on this. And it was like one season. Uh, and I think it failed and was forgotten about, but I was like, I don't know, 14 or 15 when it came out. And I remember thinking it was great. It was like one Mm -hmm. of these shows that nobody was watching and no one was talking about. And I said, this show's like funny and smart and meta and breaking the fourth wall and crazy. And nobody got into it. So I (laughs) would, I would watch it again and I would listen to people talk. I, I would call it, it's your move. Was this a good show? That, that's, that would be my so, – and every episode they'd be trying to answer that question like, so is it a good show? Well, according to the internet, it's got 8.2 in IMDb and 9.1 Whoa. on TV.com. Gosh. You have 18 episodes to work with. This feels like something you could probably get Jason Bateman to do on like a Stitcher original. I bet they could probably pay yeah. him enough to, to do it like as a goof. I mean, I remember, yeah, he was great on it. Like, he he plays a teenage con man who has a mm-hmm. attractive single mom, and the neighbor across the street is the original neighbor from Married with Children before he got replaced with the better-looking guy who's right. – forget. Ted McGinley. Right. Gar- uh, David Garrison is the actor's name. He lives across all – he's a grown-up version of Jason Bateman, also a con man. So they're kind of trying to maneuver against each other – in the Jason trying to stop his mom from dating this guy and the guy trying to win her affections. Uh-huh. Um, but it ends Ooh. up mostly just centering on Jason's life and his schemes at his junior high school, trying to get away with stuff and not have to study for tests or something. Mm-hmm. The actor I'd want on it is he had a best friend named Eli played by I'm seeing here, Adam Sadowski, 
Mm-hmm. Don't know if this guy did anything, but I remember thinking that guy's hilarious. And um, I would have him on uh, to let me know the behind the scenes. One episode I remember like was all about whether Eli was good at soccer and it ended <laughs> with a big game and the opposing team kicks a ball toward the goal and Eli leaps for it and they freeze frame him in the air. And then there's like a big long scroll of text going, you know, it doesn't matter whether he blocked it. <laughs> um, wow. What matters is that he tried and like, let's give the guy a break and just like this huge long break of text. And I remember being like, is this for real? Like, are they doing this? For 1984. I was going to say. Yeah. Pre Joss Whedon, pre. Pre Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Pre aware of like just tropes. The final episode they called Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen, which is also the name of the last episode of MASH. So like, in 1984, to title your last episode of this nothing series, the same title of the, at that time, most watched television episode in history. I think it's funny. All right, that's all. Sarah. Instead of an 18-episode show, I'm going to pick one with like 5,018 episodes. Supernatural. Oh, God. It's going to be called Supernatural <laughs> History, and it'll be like Drunk History. In that it's hosted by Derek Waters and <clears throat> Jeffrey Dean Morgan is the cast member who comes on to talk shit, but it has to be a think while you drink affair. Yeah. And um, it lasts an hour and they just see how long they can remain coherent while trying to summarize the plot. <laughs> and um, then the fun of it is that like, e- even if they're summarizing the plot in like minute one, when no one has taken a sip of brown liquor and it still sounds comprehensible. Well, that's supernatural for you is there's like, you know, d- devils, archangels and whatnot. So <laughs> I think I made it through a season and a half of that show. Not because I didn't like it. I just, I don't know, stopped watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would still listen to that. because yeah. I like drunk history and I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan. That show was on at the gym today. And I thought that's, that's about right. that's that's the show you put on when you're on the treadmill yes Mm -hmm. all right so mine i didn't really do a celebrity thing just because the podcast of the show i need which is gi joe the cartoon doesn't really lend itself to uh, a celebrity because we have uh, lots of other types of people we absolutely need to talk about gi joe uh first of all you need a genuinely non-ironic fan of the show which probably Hmm. means some sort of mid-40s man child um (laughs) That is your number one host. You then want to pair them up with a military strategy guy or mm-hmm. probably even better, like a coffee table war book expert, you know, like you sure. know, the kind of guy who learns everything from great tanks of the Eastern Front and then applies it to G.I. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and they will uh-huh. this person will commentate on the battlefield tactics used by G.I. Joe and Cobra during the episodes Add to that, we need a team-building expert with insight into group dynamics, which play a very important role in G.I. Joe. Not only is it G.I. Joe versus Cobra, but within Cobra, you got different factions. You got the Dreadnoughts. You got, you know, the twins that feel each other's emotions and pains and finish each other's sentences. And then add to that someone's mom as just the person who knows absolutely nothing and will ask the questions that nobody else can think of. (laughs) Sort of like your reasonable person coming into it with Mm -hmm. fresh eyes. Sure. And each week a guest is picked based on that episode's subject matter, which got like super crazy with G.I. Joe. So, for example, in the episode that we talked about a lot on this podcast, the Cold Slither episode, 
and to remind yeah. you, in which G.I. Joe and Cobra both develop competing rock and roll bands in order to win the hearts and minds of America, you would get, say, one of the members of Motley Crue, since they're hot right now because of their film. Yeah. <laughs> so that is the show's structure um, in a nod to the excellent G.I. Joe spoofs. We're going to call this podcast uh, Pork Chop Sandwiches. And I think it has potential. I don't think it works with a celebrity guest, but if anybody has a suggestion, I will throw it into the mix. AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now. It is time for the Canon user submission this week. Here we go. Hi, Extra Hot Gang. This is Leisha. My wife and I have been listening to Extra Hot Great since the early Mach 1 days, and so I'm happy to bring something for the Canon. EHG has had a very track record with cartoons and kid shows, but after the masterful submission of that Sesame Street episode, I had to try. So it is with some anxiety I submit Steven Universe Season 3, Episode 8, Mr. Greg. The episode abruptly begins with an awesomely psychedelic ad for a burger shack called Pepe's Burgers. From the moment the meat hits the flame, my stomach is growling without any shame. And I know in my gut it's been worth the $5.95. Would you like a burger from Pepe's Burgers? Whoa, your song is on TV! Yeah, apparently Marty sold my song as a burger jingle, and now I'm filthy stinking rich. Ah, the sweet stench of success. Through some efficient exposition, we hear Greg, Stephen's dad, has been gifted untold millions from his former manager in the form of royalties for this song, which Greg explains was not about burgers at the time. Pearl, one of the anthropomorphic magic gems Stephen hangs out with, has seen the video too, and Pearl seems distressed and slightly sad. Could this really be the song that wooed Stephen's mother, Rose? Stephen and Greg wonder what to do with their newfound fortune. 
The song they sing together, Don't Cost Nothing, is the first in this dun-dun-dun musical episode and provides some backstory. Rowling around, don't cost nothing, singing a song, don't cost nothing, how do I spend all this money, I'd rather just spend time with you. You could buy a house and a car. I guess that I can, but I've already got a van. I could put you through college. But I'm with the gems all the time. I could buy you all the finest courses online. What if we took a trip? Do you think? Yeah, I do. We could take a vacation. We could go somewhere new. Greg has been happy with his van and not living in a house. Steven spends most of his time with the gems, so school isn't a big thing. And they both want to just enjoy each other's company. Excitedly, they progress right into the next song, Empire City, Cough, Cough, New York City, Cough, Cough. <laughs> After a rousing highlight of why New York is the best option, Stephen ends the song by inviting Pearl, which ends the whole thing on a sour note. Greg seems dubious and even Pearl is confused. Pearl's line, past experiences have taught me three as a crowd, is a direct reference to the series canon that Greg kind of stole Rose's affections from Pearl. It's plain there is a capital S stoof between Pearl and Greg, but whatever, here we go. We arrive in Empire City to appropriate jazzy fanfare, and Stephen and Greg have some fun throwing their money around. By the way, Pearl in a tux gives me life. The song Mr. Greg is fun in a way that makes you want to tap dance too. Hey, shake a leg. Hey, shake a leg. It's Mr. Greg. It's Mr. Greg. And he's here to spend his dough all over the town. He's got the bucks. I've got the bucks. It's all deluxe. It's all deluxe. When you're dining out with me, it's the finest steak and brie. And if I break a table, it ain't no. Whoa! Just built to my bank. A hundred bucks? Gee, thanks! Even Pearl is enjoying herself until Greg tries to capitalize on this moment. Pearl throws a wet towel on the whole thing and walks off. Later in the night, video games played, bajillion dollar suite trashed, Pearl sings, It's over, isn't it? It's so rare to see cartoon characters really emote and cry this way. It is clear that Pearl feels real emotion for Rose and the pain of being the lover who was left first for another person and then because of death is still very close. Yeah, guys, Rose is technically dead. Technically Steven. It's magical gems. It makes sense. The song is sad and beautiful and likely my favorite of all Steven Universe songs. I was fine with the men who would come into her life now and again. I was fine because I knew that they didn't really matter until you. I was fine when you came and we fought like it was all some silly game over her who she'd choose after all those years i never thought i'd lose it's over isn't it isn't it isn't it over it's over isn't it isn't it isn't it over you won and she chose you she loved you and she's gone it's over isn't it why can't i move on after the song pearl is shocked to see that steven and greg were listening the whole time awkwardness ensues and steven convinces pearl and greg to talk it out in the last full song both of you 
Stephen's statement that they were avoiding it and he doesn't know why is indicative of his age and the reality that if Greg and Pearl just talked about talked it over, they might find some comfort in each other. Stephen has a simple and innocent quality to him that makes it easy to accept his childish confusion and see it as actually tinged with wisdom. There is some cartoon magic here. Greg and Pearl are honest with each other, and this provides relief when in real life, especially love triangles, things are messy. But this is the wonder of Steven Universe. If we could all be open and honest, maybe things would be easier. You might not believe it. You might not believe it, but you got a lot in common. You really do. Both love me and I love both of you. Look, if I were you, I'd hate me too. I don't hate you. But I knew how you felt about Rose and I stayed anyway. That wasn't the problem. Then what was? She fell in love with you. Well, you know Rose. She, she always, always did, did what, what she, she wanted. wanted. <laughs> I know you both need it. I know you both need it. Someone who knows what you're going through. The episode closes with some reprisals of old songs and evidence that the air is now clear between Greg and Pearl. Steven Universe is by far one of my favorite shows of all time, not just for its celebrations of openly queer and non-binary characters, multitudes of body types, and the depictions of neurodiversity, but for its willingness to tackle complex ideas in a children's show. As a queer adult, this is something I would have loved as a queer child. Steven is often shown mourning and grappling with the death of his mother. Pearl and Greg mourn the death of a lover. Fusion, when two gems combine to form an even awesomer, more bigger, more powerful gem, is often a metaphor for love and relationships and is used to teach lessons about consent. Also, just that you should be a good person and enjoy people for who they are is basically embodied by Steven. I wish Steven Universe episodes were a little longer, and I wish this episode had my all-time favorite character, Garnet, but often the episodes with tons of characters are difficult for first-time viewers. Instead, I chose an episode that depicts Steven Universe doing what it does best, which is address complex ideas, happy cool tunes, and in general, warm fuzzies for all. Thanks. Thank you, Alicia. Uh, Will, you are a guest. You chose this from Available canon submissions by users so why don't you take the first crack at it oh thank you um i had never seen this show but uh my brother who i do that podcast with i talked about before has raved about it to me and my brother is extremely fussy about all animated shows and in, <laughs> in the manner of a true comic book nerd but he raved about steven universe like he couldn't say enough good things about it and um it was one of the it's one of those shows that i would just been meaning to watch but for whatever reason hadn't gotten around to you know for no definite reason so I mean, that's why I picked it. I wanted the opportunity to see it. And um, this episode blew me away. I was so moved and so happy and so imp- I cried during the It's Over song. And I didn't know any of the backstory of the characters. I yeah. went completely cold, hmm. but I picked up on everything. And um, it's so uh, gutsy. I mean, it's so Im- amazingly agile for this show in such a short time to cover such emotions and also to include such normally deal breaking topics of like a dead mom and absent lover, uh, um, the complicated nuance of adults who were rivals. Um, I, I was, I, this was a great pick, uh, Leisha, because it, it won me over 
wholeheartedly. It's an it's an amazing episode of television without question. And this and the the opening song, the opening Pepe's Burger commercial <laughs> jingle was so funny, so like sure-handedly funny. And I didn't know at that point that it was a musical episode. I was like, oh, I hope they do more songs. And then the whole episode was basically all songs. And I was delighted for that. I don't know. I was completely blown away. I can't wait to watch everything. I'm going to watch the whole series without question. Sarah. Um, yeah. One of my uh, canon criteria is, do you want to just let um, your streaming service roll you into the next episode or two episodes? That was definitely the case here. Um, it, it was hard to believe how much ground got covered in under 12 yeah. minutes. Um, there's like the funny, so like, first of all, the songwriting is really clever and catchy. Um, you know, Buncey enemy of the musical. Uh, I really <laughs> enjoyed all the songs. I also was like sourcing some things in the production design. This is a cartoon. I understand <laughs> that. I still want that hot dog duffel bag. Make this happen for me. <laughs> Listeners, just tell me where I can get one. I will carry it everywhere and uh, name it and treasure it like a child. Um, I also was won over quickly because um, one of my cats, Pearl, has like sort of the same. Um, she seems to be grieving something that her humans don't understand. So mm -hmm. I could sort of uh, relate strongly to this character being like, I am not interested in fun because that is what feline pearl is like every day <laughs> um she's actually uh meowing very faintly right now just out of mic range um th this show is really amazing and unusual because you have this um joy and this humor and cleverness and you also have this um deep sadness that is not really resolved it is um ameliorated somewhat like it's leavened somewhat by um that song and that conversation but it's not fixed and these things are just allowed to coexist as they must do in life and that you know if kids are watching this and sort of absorbing like sometimes this is just how life is that there's you know laughter and humor but also th these empty spaces in your life i found that very moving and beautiful and brave to to do that's really that's really something to do in a in a kids show so yeah this was outstanding delightful presentation thanks leisha tara uh i i'm glad that uh will said his comic nerd brother approves of the design because i thought it looked amazing it has a quasi anime look it's like sort but it's like a, a better modernized kind of speed racer look to the character designs but every time we see greg he's got this like huge you know voluminous kind of grown-out mullet <laughs> <laughs> the ball dullet sure yes it has it has a like the hair is almost a character unto itself like uh, all of the character uh, you you can get so much like, you know, we all were coming into this show cold. None of us had seen it before. And 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 yet, like, I f the even just the character design tells you so much about who they all are. And it's it's definitely true that that the musical presentation gets across a, an enormous amount of of information and backstory in a really economical way. And at first I, you know, because I didn't know anything about the show that I didn't know 
what Pearl's relationship was to Rose. Like, was it her sister? Was it, you know, oh, nope, got it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's 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 really sweet and, and lovely and moving. Um, and I want to also just mention a, a great voice performance by the pride of New Jersey, Tom Sharpling as as uh-huh. Greg Stevens' dad. Um, I yeah, I I loved it. It was lovely, and I like Sarah. It made me want to want to watch more of the show because even though this is a very, as Leisha said, a very simple episode with just a few characters, um, it, it you can you can still read into it like how rich the world of this show is, and I it made me want to know more about it. Dave, yeah, you said the it's a sweet show. It, it is, but it's also very bittersweet. I mean, this mm-hmm. episode was, yes. and that's such a rare thing to say about a kids episode of a show. Like, there have been other bittersweet episodes of like I don't know, regular show or something where people grow up and have to do things, and people leave and and that, but not on this level. Yeah, for how long this episode is, which is you know twelve twelve minutes, ten twelve minutes, is extremely economical and how they put everything out there. Still manage to have like three or four songs, but not feel like you're getting the bums rush to the resolution. You know, it takes his time at the start. You know, as they establish a reason to have this getaway. There's a moment in the van when uh, Greg and Stephen are discussing what to do with this windfall. And there's a line in the song, or maybe it's just dialogue, uh, about something about a breeze. And in that moment, you know, an actual breeze goes through the van and just like yeah, yeah. tuffles their hair ever so slightly. And there's something about the about that moment that just like immediately took me back to like like those first memories of like going with your parents to a park or something like that. It immediately took me back to this moment in my life. I thought that was uh, kind of amazing for a show that I just started watching two minutes before that the amount of touchy touchy well yeah i'll say touchy to like america at large subject (laughs) that this show will tackles in its short run is kind of amazing and all that would be kind of impressive but then you of course you have to consider this is a kid show and how amazing of a message that is for a kid show and how rare it is and, and and progressive like this is the show you know, mama, don't let your, you know, sons grow up to be, you know, megas, you know, like this is the show you start them <laughs> off with when they're young, right? You know, like this yeah. is the kind of stuff that um, you want your kids to be exposed to. Ballsy and it's sweet, it's bittersweet, and it's just sort of a very lovely show. And I definitely do want to check more of it out. Like Will, um, I've heard this show is great from so many people for so long, and it's just one of those shows that... Uh, it doesn't really come up and like, let's start this show because it's a kid's show, right? And sometimes you just need an excuse to get started. And uh, Alicia, thank you very much for that excuse. I definitely want to yeah. check out more. Um, so with that, let us put it to a vote. Will Hines officially, what say you, canon worthy? Indeed, yes. Uh, Sarah? Yes, for me. Tara Ariana? I say yay. And me too. That means Steven Universe Season 3, Episode 12, Mr. Greg. You are hereby inducted into the Extra Audrey Cannon. Americans love a winner. Yup. And will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It's time for winner and loser of the week. Sarah has her winner. 
I do. It's Law & Order SVU, which has been renewed for season 21. Blackjack! <laughs> and uh, is thus the longest-running live-action scripted show in TV history. Am I super happy that it outlived Mothership? No, but they're making it up to me by getting rid of Estara rendered it in the dock. Ben Stone's <laughs> shitty ADA kid. kid. He's like 40. I stand by that. Um, yeah, he's he's just not a good fit if they really wanted to um bring in the fans of mothership who fondly remember the ben stone era they would track down michael moriarty in mm-hmm. his yurt in manitoba <laughs> where he's running yep. for prime minister of israel yep not a joke no. and um put him back on the show because it won't be dull it's got to be more interesting than whatever noah plot lines anyway congratulations <laughs> svu and for everyone else who's um, refusing to quit this because they're completists. <sighs> Here we go. <laughs> All right, Tara, who is our loser league? Uh, just to quickly back up to the canon, Leisha had called it season three, episode eight of Steven Universe, which is what it is on IMDb. But on Hulu, if you're looking to start with this particular episode, they have it as season three, episode 12. Now, loser of the week. Oh, Tori Spelling. <laughs> <laughs> Not for running some kind of weird beauty MLM with Ian Zeering, which I just found out from both of their Instagram oh, stories this week. Um, but uh, she's also right now she and Jenny Garther in Tel Aviv, like doing on some kind of working vacation, something revolving around children's clothing. Like, yeah, sure. That's where you go to launch your children's fashion line. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's uh, getting dragged by mom. Mom Internet um, for a sponsored Instagram post and story for Little Bites Muffins in which she characterizes uh, these as a healthy snack because they don't have um, high fructose corn syrup. (laughs) Like, pretty sure the rest of it is all pure garbage. Even if it's real sugar, it's not healthy for your kids. But no, no, no. no. All the bad stuff drops to the bottom of the muffin. So if you cut off Uh, the top, it's mm -hmm. all the healthy. (laughs) Got (laughs) it. Also, they're small. They are small. Anyway, I guess she has to make money off her 19 children somehow. Just kidding. There are five. Not kidding. There are five. Um, And this is what she decided to do because her awful mother cut her off. So this is the world we all live in with Tori Spelling. Just give a mom a break. She just was trying to make some muffin money. As are we all. Speaking about muffin money, do you know what time it is? Up in time. Up in time. We are playing the 10th game of the current season. Season scores Sarah 4, still one away from the season victory. Value guests 3, Tara 2. Today we are challenging your knowledge of TV friendships. In a game I'm calling I've seen your face before my friend, <laughs> But I don't know if you know who I am I've seen your face before, my friend, but I don't know if you know who I am From Mademoiselle Caroline, who earns herself <laughs> an extra credit Guess the name, the full name, of a TV character based on the name of his or her best friend Okay if you need a hint, right. I'll give you the name of another character from the same series. Okay. All right. So two points without the hint, one point with the hint. For example, I would say John Watson. You would say 
Sherlock Holmes. Sure. And that, of course, is from Sherlock. Sherlock would be the hint. Note, a best friend cannot be another member of the character's family. So no Fraser and Niles Crane in this game. Okay. Tara, steel mill situation, please. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Uh, I have one steel meal. Valued guest has one steel meal. So, Will, how this works is if if Sarah or I answer a question wrong and you know the answer, you can jump in and say steel meal and you okay. can steal the points. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that in mind, let's throw it to Picky to see who is going to go first. We will start with valued guest. All right. That means Will's right. on deck, followed by Sarah, then Tara. Are we ready to play? I seriously just finished writing down that whole title. <laughs> oh, I had a question actually before we start. If we guess for two points and we're wrong, you only get one crack at the answer. No, oh, I think that's fair. All right. So with round one, we're going to talk about comedies. All right. All these shows mm. we're talking about are comedies. Are you ready, Will? I am ready. Wrote up Morgan Stern. Yeah. Uh, Mary. God, what's the character's name? Mary. Gosh. Mary Tyler Moore. I don't know the character's name. Mm. Yeah, you're almost there. That was Mary yeah. Richards. Mary Richards. Of course. Mary Tyler of Moore. Course. Show. All right, Sarah. Ethel Mertz. Uh, Lucy um, Ricardo. Yeah. Of course. All right. That is good for two points for Tara. Yes. Adina Massoon, who's her best friend? <laughs> I almost read the answer. Patsy Stone. Patsy Stone from? From a uh, absolutely fabulous. Correct. All right, back to Will. Yeah. Just read one. Just read one name, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know now. Who is best friends with Jenna Maroney? Um, Liz Lemon. Liz Lemon from Thirty Rock. Correct. So the hint was a uh, Siri. Do you know what Siri's last name is in the show? No. Series Xerox is what you're <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Excellent. All right. To Sarah. Shirley Feeney. All right. It is Laverne something. Uh-huh. Laverne. God. I don't know if this is right, but what choice have I got? Laverne De- DeFazio? Oh. Nice. Yes. <laughs> nice. Deal. Tara. A.C. Slater. Um, Zach Morris. From Saved by the Bell, correct. All right, back to Will. I mean, they were more frenemies in my opinion, but sure. All right, well. (laughs) You're overstating their... Fair enough. Paula Proctor or Will. Ugh. Paula Proctor. Your hint is White Josh. White Josh (laughs) is another character from the show that Paula Proctor is in. I don't know. I have another hint. You were on the show, Will. Oh, dear. Was I? Yeah. Was that really? Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> All right. That is Rebecca Bunch from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, a ah. show that Will was on. Yeah, that's That right. I made a canon submission that included Will. <laughs> Did you really? That episode? Yeah. And oh, cool. uh, Rebecca Bunch is uh, sitting beside you right now in your room. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah D. Bunting. Garth Algar. Oh, Jesus. Earth Algar. Why can't I remember Wayne's last name? Wayne. (laughs) Wayne. The musical fruit. Let's try (laughs) through it. That's Wayne. Steel meal. Steel meal. Steel meal for time. Wayne 
Campbell. Wayne Campbell from Saturday Night Live is correct. Ah, I couldn't think of it either. I couldn't think of it either. I am now exhausted of steel meals. All right, Tara, here's your actual question. BJ Honeycutt. Best friends with? Um, Hawkeye Pierce. Hawkeye Pierce. Smash. Correct. Woohoo. Paul Pfeiffer, Will. Paul Pfeiffer. Hmm. I need a hint. All right. Another character from this show is Winnie Cooper. Right, right. Okay. um, The character's name. Gosh. I don't know. Kevin Arnold is the actor, right? Oh, oh is that yeah. that guy? No, that's the character. That's the oh, I thought that was the actor. <laughs> Fred Savage is the... You oh, good know. heavens. I switched them in my brain. Well done. That's why Nicely you just done. throw something out there. In desperation, yep. if need be. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sarah. Jane Lane. Jane Lane? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Could lose the tude, but yeah. <laughs> no. Um, Jane Lane. Uh, let's um, have a hint. Tiffany Blum Deckler. That's a hyphenated last name. Well, um, of the uh, Intercourse Pennsylvania Blum Decklers, I, I don't know. Benson. <laughs> Anybody know it? Yeah, Dor- Daria Morgendorfer. D- yeah, that's right. Ah, nice. Oh, right. All right, Tara. Yes. Norm Peterson. That's Cliff Clavin. Cliff Clavin from Cheers, sure. Yeah. Okay, Will. Oh, picky smiles upon you, I believe. Abby Abrams. Uh, Ilana Wexler. Yes, Broad City. Another nice. show you've been on. Indeed. That's right. Sarah D. Bunting, Ann Perkins. Ann Perkins. Ann Perkins. Hint. Andy Dwyer is another character on this show. Leslie, nope. Got it. Sarah, the yep. Just nice. before the buzzer. Nice. All right. Last question of round one in our comedies section for Tara. Your yes. character, Patrick. It's Patrick's best friend. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. Sure is. And that <laughs> is round one. Scores, please, Tara. Okay. Um, <laughs> in <bad>. some... <laughs> I have 12 points. Will and Sarah are tied with five points each. All right, don't despair because you two are now in. <gasps> the Grossworth Equalizer Challenge Zone. Will, I'm holding in front of me a card okay. from a mid 90s Trivial Pursuit TV box. All right. Okay. All right. You get to team up with Sarah because you're both uh, tied for last place. If you okay. get. Three of these six questions right, you'll get to split two points. If you get them all right, you get to split four points. Okay. Here and we, we can we can confer with each other? Or you may talk this? it out. Four points? Yes. Eight points? Yes. Sarah is right. They get double the max number of questions. So My, my apologies. Yes. Okay. Yes. Four and eight points at stake. One of these days, I will remember the math. Starting off with classics. Good luck. What army show's laugh track came from a live audience of GIs? Um, I know Hmm. this. I'm just not sure how it's going to be rendered on the card. You do know it. I do. It's either Sergeant Bilko or the Fred or the Phil Silver show. Yep. It's the Phil Silver show, but yes, you are correct. 
Oh, That's nice. Instructor Bunting to you. <laughs> the only reason I know that. All right. Instructor Bunting and Will Hines, star of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Broad <laughs> Star. City. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sitcoms. <laughs> sitcoms this time. What 1983 sitcoms lead characters were Colonel Potter, Corporal Klinger, and Father Mulcahy? Yeah, that's uh, Aftermash, right, sir? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, Aftermash. Doing really well. Two out of two. Now on to drama. What intergalactic hero's life support system was frozen for 504 years? Um, Sarah, I know this. Do you know this? I do not. Go for I it. Think, I think it's, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Buck Rogers. You are Ooh, correct. Nice. All right. You've got three. You've got four points to split between you. If you can get the next three, we're going to double that. Yeah. What 1971 show did PBS aim at second through fourth graders? Um, I mean, this is the right timeline for it to be. Uh, can we? Can I'm sorry, I, yep, I, I missed what you said. So there could be Sesame Street. I mean, this is the right timeline for that. Uh, it could also be Electric Company. Yeah, I think it's Electric Company because I think Sesame Street actually started in the late sixties. Let's go. Let's go with Electric Company. Okay. All right, Electric Company. Woo! Correct. Mm-hmm. All right. Stars. Oh, this is this is interesting. What sportscaster was nicknamed the mouth? <laughs> um It's Cosell, no? Oh yeah, let's let's go with that. Yeah. Okay. Holy nice. shit. Okay. It all comes down to this. This is the wild card category. Mm-hmm. You have, by my math, about a one in seven chance of answering this correctly. Here's the question. <laughs> What day of the week gave us the Love Boat and Fantasy Island? That is Saturday. I am comfortable with that answer. Guess yeah. what, guys? You just swept hey, the car. Yeah! <laughs> nice. All right. That really changes things. So let's get the updated scores. Everybody just Goddamn got Goddamn right points, it Sarah. does. All right. Well, I still have 12 points, but now Will and Sarah are both at nine points. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, guys. It's been forever since anyone ran the table on a card. That's the second time it's happened. Amazing. All right, guys. Round two, same order. We're talking about drama and dramedies. All right. And sometimes the dramedies Mm -hmm. part's kind of loose. So keep that in mind. Uh, We're going to start again with Will. All right. Your first friend is Suki St. James. Um... Best Should be is. easy, but I don't know. Uh, I need a hint. All right. Your hint is Luke Danes. <laughs> I I don't know. Was I on this show? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no. Uh, best friend of Suki is Lorelai Gilmore from the Gilmore. Oh, good heavens. This is question 17. I'm an idiot. Ready. Uh, uh, for Sarah, Pacey Witter. Well... <laughs> He's more of a nearby shitheel than a friend, but <laughs> for argument's sake, let's say it's Dawson Leary. You are correct, Dawson. Thanks, Nicely done. Tara. Yes. Christina Yang. Um, Meredith. Meredith Gray. All right, back to Will. This is. <laughs> Who is the best friend of Willow Rosenberg? Um, Rosenberg. Yeah. Um. You are not on this show. No. Yep. Okay. 
I don't know. The Is this last a piece of information name. we should provide to Will for the rest of the? <laughs> I just felt like I should. <clears throat> All right, uh, um, Willow Rosenberg, more commonly Buffy, known as just Willow. Buffy something. I don't know. I don't know. Buffy something. Is half right. Mm, yeah, pretty close. Buffy very close. Summers. Is oh, oh, yeah. Answer. You're very close. Yep. Back to Sarah. Ryan Atwood. Ryan Atwood. God. What's that little shithead's name? Um, I'm going to have to guess. I'm not totally sure. Let's try Seth Cohen. You are nice. correct. Oh, wow. Nice. Well nice. done. To Tara, tasty. Yes. Oh, um, uh, Pusey Washington. Correct. Oranges and oh, wow. The hint I had to provide, I put chicken of myth. I don't know. Ah, that that's good. <laughs> uh, back to Will. Molly Carter. Molly Carter, you are not in this show. As far as not I'm in the show. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll take a hint. I'll take a hint. Your hint character is Tiffany Dubois. I don't know. I don't know. Tara don't probably know. knows this one. No, I don't. Oh, it is from a show called Insecure. Oh, oh yeah, Lisa sure. Ray show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, mm-hmm. of course, of course. Uh, back to Sarah Wallace Fennel. <laughs> Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars from Veronica Mars. That's correct. Nice. All right, to Tara, Ken mm-hmm. Hutchinson, and this is uh, more of an action. Okay, I don't know who that is, so I'll take a hint, please. Your hint is Huggy Bear. Oh, um, shit. Starsky. <laughs> what the hell was his first name? I don't know. David, David Starsky? <laughs> oh, man. Wow. wow. What a Hail Mary. <laughs> Mama's family. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody's last question, round two. Coming up, this is Will's Boyd Crowder. Boyd Crowder, best friend, too. Boy, it sounds familiar. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. Um, I'll take a hint again. Uh, we are talking Winona Hawkins is another character from this show. These names are great. Yep. I love <laughs> these names. They have a lot of style. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of personality. They got some swagger. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. Uh, I'll say. Okay. Yeah. Nope. Throw it out there. You did really well when you threw out the last one. Let's do it. Oh, I, I mean, Winchester Yamaha. <laughs> um, it's sort of evocative of the character, actually. The first part of it, anyways. Uh, Tara? Um, Raylan Gibbons. Raylan Gibbons from Justify oh. is the answer. Oh, okay. All right. To Sarah. Saul Star. Saul Star. Speaking of uh, off with his pants, um, mm-hmm. this is um, Seth. Why can't I think of the name? Let me stall by asking for a hint. Yeah, uh, you want a hint? All right, the hint, even though I think you know it, is Mister Wu. I mean, I know the show. I just don't remember they, the guy's uh, last name. They like, ran they a hardware store together. Calls you out in the thoroughfare. We're talking about yeah. Seth Bullock. Bullock. Oh, Bullock! Right. All right. Last question, round two for Tara. Mm-hmm. Mary Beth Lacey. Um. Christine Cagney. Yeah, well done. Wow. All right, wow. that's round two. A few questions left. Let's get the scores. Okay, I have 19 points. Sarah D. Bunting has 15 points. Will has nine points. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right. Same thing as before, but now you're on your own. Okay. 
right, Will, we're starting you off with classics. Good luck, Will. Good luck. What? Thank you so much. 1948 presidential hopeful built himself as the only candidate completely made of wood. Keep in mind, we're talking about TV shows. Um, To read that question a different way. What characters FACO 1948 presidential campaign? He built himself as the only candidate completely made of wood, 48. Yeah. Uh, Pinocchio. I don't know. Mm. Pinocchio Jason. Oh, Howdy Doody. Yeah, Howdy no. Doody. Yeah, yeah, Sitcoms. Yeah. Does okay. Sheriff Andy Taylor drink alcohol? I'll say yes. Indeed, he does. Remember nice. That? Remember the episode I would have said no. Really drunk and beat his wife. <laughs> <laughs> He's a That's southern a different sheriff. Andy. You know. Drama. What show rotating with Macmillan and Wife and McLeod made up the NBC mystery movie? Uh, Columbo. Well oh. done. All right. You only need one of these last three to get your points. Nice. And this is a tough one, so you're not going to get this one. Who was the voice okay. behind Kermit the Frog? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. There's no way to know. Jim Henson. You know what? Yay! I think you, you would have got the last two as well. <laughs> you could have ran this if you just that first question. Oh, uh, yeah. Who danced for the last time on ABC's 60th anniversary celebration of his showbiz career in 1990? Dance for the last uh, time. Um, Stars. Is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, Singing in the Rain, Gene. Um, uh, no, that's not the answer. It's Sammy uh, Davis Jr. Know. Oh, okay. uh, I would have right. gone with Fred Astaire. Yeah. I would have too. All right. Yeah. But well done. You got yourself some points. So, Tara, up to yeah, the man. Scores, please. All right. Um, I have 19 points. Sarah has 15 points. Will now has 13 points. All right. Well done. All right. All questions here are worth two points, but everybody has two questions only. <laughs> Round three, I'm going to ask you a question. You answer it. Two points for the right answer. Here we go. Will. Okay. Who calls yes. his best friend Chocolate Bear? Um, it sounds fun, and uh, I don't, I don't know. Anybody want to, I'm not sure. Tara does. Yes, JD from Scrubs. JD from Scrubs. Sarah D. Bunting, who calls his best friend Boner? What the? Oh, Boner? I know this. Seaver. Comma. From the... (laughs) Not Tom. It's not my final <laughs> answer. That would be a pretty funny crossover event. It's Your not is Mr. Wu again, strangely enough. Is- <laughs> oh, Mr. Wu. It's not Seth. It's not Laverne. Seavert. Uh, no, the dad is Jason. So the kid was obviously... Mm, no. <laughs> oh, such a good guess. Mike Seavers. Mike Seavers <laughs> of Growing Pains. Tutara. Uh, yeah. yes. Who calls his best friend... Gee Buttersnaps, Felicia Fancy Bottom, or Magic Head, to name a few. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Sean Spencer of Psych. Who says that? Oh, I should have just guessed Psych. Yeah, I should have guessed Caroline. that. I took out the supernatural question, so nobody answered supernatural. <laughs> Keeping in mind the author of this yeah. game time. Back to Will. Who calls okay. her best friend a rainbow infused space unicorn? And to be clear, uh, it sounds like some answers might be in here more than once. The show. Yes, yes, yes. From the same show. Correct. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. 
I'm going to guess again, Alana Wexler. That is a good guess. That's a good I can guess. totally see that. We're yeah. looking for Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec. Hmm. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, to Sarah, who could be wearing any more of their best friend's clothes? <laughs> oh, who's actually actually who wearing the clothes? Be, be wearing, wearing any more of their best friend's clothes? Who's uh, wearing the clothes? Joey Tribbiani. Joey Tribbiani Who's from Friends is correct. Clothes. Last question yeah. of the game for Tara. God, I taught that episode. Okay. Who gives himself embarrassing nicknames like The Deuce or Tinkerbell whenever his best friend concocts a new plan? Uh, no, this one either. That's Charles Boyle from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, yeah. a show that Will was on. Yep, I was on it. All right, scores, please. Okay, uh, I still have 19 points. Sarah now has 17 points. Will has 13 points. All right, that was the end of the game. I don't know if that was clear when I started round three, but that okay. is no. it. So, <laughs> yeah. Guess what, Tara? <laughs> Tara. Here's the tiebreaker, which we're going to convert into a future steel meal. Okay. All right. Okay. I want you to ID both best friends from this list of activities. Are you ready? Shut it out if you know. Just looking for the characters' okay. names. First okay. names are fine. One of the things they did was surviving a zombie attack. Uh, Rick and Morty? Incorrect. Okay. Second item. Creating a fake morning show without cameras. Oh, uh, Troy and Abed. Troy and Abed from Community is the answer. Tara gets the steal. (laughs) Well, that is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We traveled through another dimension for the Jordan Peele-led reboot of The Twilight Zone before going around the dial, where Tara elected to talk about Veep and gave season two a barrier shot. Will streamed Love, Death, and Robots. Sarah visited ER, and Dave finished up with Deadwind. We pitched some new episode-by-episode episode TV podcasts, and Leisha successfully pitched us a gem of a canon with Steven Universe's Mr. Greg. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Tara was the winner of this week's game time. Remember... We're listening. I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariano... Get that muffin money! Sarah D. Bunting... <laughs> Well regulated. And Will Hines. Was I on this show? <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time, right here. Extra Hot Pork chop sandwiches. Oh shit! Get the fuck out of here! What are you doing? Go! Get the fuck out of here, you stupid idiot! Fuck, we're all dead! Get the fuck out!